Hofstra's Morning Wake Up Call. Morning Wake Up Call. Lively talk. Long Island life. National news. International issues. Through the minds and mouths of Hofstra students. You're listening to the Hofstra Morning Wake Up Call only on 88.7 FM Radio Hofstra University. All thoughts and opinions stated here on the Hofstra Morning Wake Up Call do not reflect the views of 88.7 FM WRHU and its management, Hofstra University, as well as its board of trustees. All contrasting views can be sent to programming at WRHU.org or to 111 Hofstra University, Hempstead, New York, 11549. Everybody, it's the best group of the morning wake up call on your Tuesday here. We got Long Island Life, national news, and international issues with you on 88.7 FM WRHU. It's myself, Dallas Jackson, Kevin Bunk. We're all here today. It is, of course, in this aspect, Trump Tuesday in regards to Donald Trump uh, turning himself into New York City officials today. We will also be discussing some other matters uh, regarding some instances of other uh, crime-related aspects. Uh, Mikey Dent's going to have an interview with that in just a little bit. Uh, but otherwise, we'll get to it, and we'll see you over there soon. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to 88.7 FM WRHU today for the morning wake-up call. Uh, granted, I don't know. Is Tuesday everybody's favorite day? I don't know if Tuesday's really a big uh, favorite day on everybody's aspect. What do you think? I think Tuesday's a pretty slay day for me personally. I get to wake up super early for the morning show, and then I have three classes that I really like. Kevin's in two of my classes, so that's a plus or a minus, depending on his attitude for the day. <laughs> Um, I like Tuesdays because I'm done at 4 every day, so barring an Islanders game at night, but I'm done at 4 usually, so it's, it's better than being done at 6 on Monday and Wednesday. Mm. Yeah, not not bad. I'm, I'm not really a huge Tuesday fan. I'm more like a, you know, Thursday, Friday, because you're oh, almost yeah. there, the weekend is coming. I think uh, Friday, Friday is my favorite day because I only have my geology lab, and geology, having a class on Friday is kind of an, eh, it's okay. But having my geology lab is really fun because my professor is pretty dope, and all we really do is look at cool rocks and stuff. So that's fun. On Thursdays, I could agree with you, Luke, because my, I like my schedule on Tuesday, but I like my schedule on Tuesday when it happens on Thursday every week. Mm. So that Thursday is cool. Yeah. And then, you know, again, like Dallas said, Friday is not really a lot of class days, so you really kind of make it your own that time, which mm-hmm. is good. But I, I know while it is Tuesday, there's always new news coming about on Tuesdays. So, Dallas, it's time for the dish. What we got today? So in your international national headlines, in a recent CNN poll, a majority of Americans claim to approve of Donald Trump's indictment, which is a story we'll get to later on in today's show. Off the coast of Japan, scientists filmed the deepest ever fish discovered. And former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson announced his candidacy for the Republican presidential nomination. In Kentucky, tragically, nine soldiers were killed after two Black Hawk helicopters crashed during a training mission, according to the Army. And today, Finland is expected to join NATO, according to the Military Alliance Chief. And those are your headlines for today. 
definitely a lot of big headlines coming up, whether it's local or international. There's a lot going on today uh, in regards to that. I'm, I'm kind of curious how Asa Hutchinson is going to uh, make any difference really in the Republican primary. I'm not entirely sure how much of an impact that's going to be. I know he's been very big uh, within the government, uh, whether it's been as part of, uh, oh my gosh, oh, I'm blanking on what it was. It was, it was a secretary in one of the cabinet. Uh, departments back in the day. Uh, but granted, he definitely had a lot of roles within the government in mm-hmm. terms of Republican affiliation, so there could be that. But then I think there's also kind of that establishment aspect that I know a lot of people weren't really big fans of for Republican parties during the, the uh, I guess, the Trump uh, um, Trump aspect during 2016. So I don't know how much that's going to play out through there, but I don't, I don't know what you all think on that aspect, if anything. I uh, think... Oh, Kevin, do you want to go? I do want to go. Thank mm-hmm. you, Dallas. Of course. I don't think it's going to make any difference, but it's a really weird 2024 because the two candidates are from each party, very small part uh, group so far. The two actual threatening candidates to have primaries is a president that's in right now who is not popular at all and a president who was not popular last time we had a president being Donald Trump and he's got impeached twice. He's possibly getting arrested. So it's I, I don't know can anybody by that logic make a run I guess I I uh I I figured out what it was before I had to go and look it up again he was the eighth administrator of the Drug Enforcement Agency during the George W Bush administration 2001 to 2003 so he he'd been in uh fairly government presidential circles for a little while but D- Dallas anything to add to that Um I agree with Kevin I don't know how serious of a threat Asa Hutchinson might be just because of all of the uncertainties and unknowns with the Republican candidacy, just because not a lot of people have declared that they will be running. Like, we still haven't heard from Ron DeSantis if he's going to run. I think he would be the biggest threat for Donald Trump to get re get reestablished as the Republican candidate. Um, but again, Donald Trump might get arrested today, so we really don't know how this could impact or affect politics as a whole in, like, three hours. And, and even so, Hutchinson's very critical of Trump uh, during these last couple times. Of course, I think as... Dallas, I don't, know, I don't know if you mentioned it, but I know in the AP article that I, I read a little bit ago, he actually called on Donald Trump to drop out of the race uh, due to his uh, the criminal uh, aspects coming up today. So I think definitely something that if you want to try and support a Republican base in that instance, if, you, if you're looking to do that, if that's the case, that's not really, I think, the best target to do for that demographic, considering so many people really do look towards Trump and the Republican Party as an aspect there, too. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see whether there's really any impact or not. I mean, you have Governor Larry Hogan, who didn't end up seeking the nomination, even though I know he was also a good, uh, fair critic of Trump, but also one that wasn't really looking to test the water so much during that time, too. Uh, but Dallas, as you mentioned, today Today is the day. Uh, while we were all believed to think that it was going to be a Tuesday or so ago uh, from the, by the former president himself, uh, but granted, today is what it looks like to be on a unprecedented historical note for a former president. There you go. Get a little rhyming time in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but granted, uh, it's going to be lights, camera, action, and all eyes are going to be glued to the television screen today to watch the excitement of reality television playing out in real time with the star-studded cast. Of New York v. Trump. But granted, while that headline for the former president would like to have been billed for his own television persona, uh, he's more likely looking at a court proceeding that was almost unimaginable in his reign over the city of New York, where he seems so untouchable he said he could shoot someone in, New- in the middle of Fifth Avenue and get away with it. 
However, no matter what side of the political aisle you are on, the days of Donald Trump's invincibility has finally waned on him, as he looks to surrender himself to New York police today. It is the first time an ex-president has faced a charge after leaving their respective office. Such a fall from a spectacle that he was on television, to the President of the United States, to the court case before him, is something that Shakespeare would not fathom to write. But to say that this story is a tragedy would not be the right words. Rather, it was a trajectory. And with Juan Marchand and the grand jury will take on this leading role to see how it will all play out in the season finale. And there will only be one way to find out. Turning on your television dial for the nightly news. Uh, granted, I know we do have an interview uh, before we get into our own discussion spot uh, with Mikey Dent, who couldn't be here today, but definitely sent us some interviews for us to go and play. So we will go and utilize that now, and then we'll go and discuss after the fact. With Donald Trump making a 2024 run, how pertinent do you think this is going to be from either side towards that run? Probably not that pertinent. Uh, this is this is really speaks to you know how he's going to look in the 2020. For run, moreover, he's the leading candidate by far. He he's likely to be the Republican candidate, so this is very relevant. The question is, uh, since that's the big picture in my mind, is this going to help him or hurt him? And you know, I think Democrats who are support support this probably have an anger towards Trump, and so they want to they feel that. He, you know, his, his, he should get his comeuppance, as the expression goes. But I think that may be more done out of anger and not not being thought of thoughtfully as to where it brings our country and what precedent it sets where it could be turned around against Democratic former presidents like Hillary Clinton. Going on a little bit more of a microscopic level, outside of just the general election going into primaries, it's heavily anticipated that Ron DeSantis, Florida governor, is going to make a run, though not announced. Now, if he were to make a run, do you think that this just sets the stage for a big Trump-DeSantis showdown? And do you think this gives DeSantis the upper hand in the GOP at all? Sure. Or do you think this remains, or do you think this just remains, if it even was, Trump's GOP to lose? You know, DeSantis is in a tough spot because... On the one hand, he and everybody else, even Mike Pence, I mean, everybody's on the Republican side is saying that they're weaponizing the justice system unfairly against Trump, and it's getting a lot of sympathy and support for him. So it's hard for DeSantis to use this if if the overwhelming majority of, of Republicans, probably a close over 80%, feel that this is unfair. So for him to use this against Trump may backfire on him. At the same time, uh, DeSantis, it's widely expected he's going to run, but he needs to do it sooner than later because he's dancing around it, not doing it, not doing it, and people are wondering. And I think it's very hard for DeSantis to decide. And the reason why I think it's hard for him is because he is deluged with all kinds of messages saying from, from the base of the Republican Party, how can you betray our President Trump by running against him. He made you, after all. You wouldn't be governor without Trump. Don't divide the Republican Party. So DeSantis has thick skin if he's attacked by Democrats. So now then, focused on tomorrow, what do you think the result's going to be and going forward? Do you think that Trump is going to be charged? Do you think Trump is going to yes. see real repercussion? 
I think he will be in, yes, I think he will be charged. And then the question is, will he be convicted? So I think if that's what you're asking, I, I think uh, I think it's unlikely he'll be convicted. I think it's unlikely he'll be convicted because you have 12 jurors and all it takes is one to have reasonable doubt. And Trump is denying it. And you have, and, and the case against him rests on someone who signed a confidentiality and is now breaking her word. And also his former attorney, um, Michael Cohen, who is obviously very angry at Trump and has you know good reasons to be angry, but he's 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 a biased witness. So the the two witnesses you have against Trump are both uh, very flawed. So I I think that that's going to weigh against the prosecution, and I think it's I don't think it's an accident that the former district attorney and his staff passed on indicting Trump. They decided not to do it, I think, for a reason. So I I, I think that this is ill-conceived. Do you have anything else you would like to add? Just that I, I think that we're already so divided as a nation. It's so toxic. Uh, this tribalism is so unhealthy for this country. We have bigger fish to fry. We have the debt. We have the war in Ukraine. We have so many things, uh, healthcare, uh, immigration, taxes, uh, just all kinds of issues that this country has to deal with that I, I think being distracted by this is really not helpful. And most important, we have to stay united. We're Americans. We see how our enemies overseas, Russia and China, are now ganging up against us. Uh, we need to show strength and resolve and all this does is signal to our enemies that America is weak, America is divided against itself, America is not going to stand up for itself and its friends around the world. And I think that could promote war and violence. So in looking at the bigger picture, that's why I say that I think this, this indictment is a mistake. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you. The frequency, 88.7 FM. The call letters, WRHU. The website, WRHU.org. Hofstra's Morning Wake Up Call. Morning Wake Up Call. Lively talk. Long Island life. National news. International issues. Through the minds and mouths of Hofstra students. Welcome back, everybody. Again, thanks to Mikey for that interview there for the Trump indictment through that spot. So I we were talking a little bit during the break, but we weren't really sure how you get a fair jury in this aspect. Because for me, if, if you're going on Fifth Avenue, you look up at the sky, you just see emblazoned in these golden letters, Trump Tower. I don't know how anyone can necessarily be impartial on that aspect if all you're going to see half the time in the city is just that aspect and that, I guess, ambiance of what was in that Trump, you know, grandiosity through there. But I, I don't know what we all think in terms of a jury in that aspect. I agree with you, Luke, just because of even during his candidate or his presidential reign, he was so active in the public eye in terms of being on social media, Twitter specifically. He always had something to say and it's impossible to not be aware of his presence. A, because he was the president of the United States. B, because of the way he went about his presidency just always telling people what was on his mind, for better or for worse for him. So it's just, it's going to be very difficult. And I also just don't see how our legal system can operate with a case like this 
if we have the right to a fair jury of your peers because there's no way that nobody on that 12-person jury panel will not have bias one way or another. It's an easy way to get out of jury duty, too. If you get called in for jury duty and they tell you it's the Trump case Mm -hmm. and you're just like, I hate him or Mm -hmm. I love him, and you're just not, you're going to be able to go home. But then, but then it's like, if you voted in the election, they, like you're you biased. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I, it just doesn't. I don't know how they're going to give people. Unless- I'm reading right now from October. Um, the lawyer that was representing him back in October. I don't know if it's the same attorneys this time through. He he did grab a new attorney. I believe he did. Right? Okay, I thought so. That. But yep. she was basically just talking about how it's impossible. Days and days of trying to select 12 people, and they have people that literally get up and do a whole spiel about why they hate him while they're trying to select the jury. And people who know that they're not going to get selected, but they just want to speak their mind anyways about it. Then you just wasted a day. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> you just wasted a day. Come on. So it's, it's just her talking about how – it's a New York Times article, and it was from October 31st, and he's, it's just her talking about how it's an impossible job – and, yeah, the one quote from they thought they had someone good, and then right before they selected him, he said, Mr. Trump has no morals. I think he's done irreparable damage to this country. So you can't pick him. Mm-hmm. Nope. And he's probably not the only one that does that. So it's-, it's also like I could imagine some people might try to position themselves to get on the jury even though they have that bias by just not talking about certain things. Mm-hmm. Like I can imagine somebody wanting to be involved in this as Luke described, star-studded Supreme, uh, star-studded court case, um, and then just not doing right by our justice system. I don't want to say how I would be on a jury panel because I've never done jury duty before. Don't know really much about the process, and I have my own personal feelings about Donald, the former president. So I wouldn't be a good candidate for the jury, and I feel like the average person in America would not be a good candidate for the jury, no matter what their ideology is, no matter how they fall on the political spectrum, just because it's impossible to be unaware of who Donald Trump is. It's impossible to not know about his opinions and feelings on certain topics, and it's impossible to not have your own thoughts about him as a person. I, I just don't know how you go about it. It's 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 just a, a hectic situation to have because I think as the you know as the prosecution, it's just going to be how, how do you find that impartial jury? And then you know Donald Trump could just say, oh well, this isn't fair because then it's like that because everybody you know knows who I am and all this stuff and everyone knows the political affiliations and all that aspect. But it, who knows? Maybe you do find someone who doesn't know who Donald Trump is. But. Which I want to know what that person is like. I want to interview that person who does not know. They're like people who are like completely off the grid, you know, maybe yeah. they only watch C-SPAN every now and again, you know, it's probably their own uh, aspect through there. I know when I was looking at stuff last night and I, I texted, I texted the group chat because it, I was completely astounded when I saw <laughs> this. But Juan Marchand, the um, the judge that I mentioned who is overseeing the case, got his law degree from none other than Hofstra University in 1994 at the Maurice A. Dean School of Law. Uh, so granted, uh, we'll have an alum over there in those wings, I guess, having the robe on that decision. Uh, but you know what? Then Donald Trump cannot say it is not fair because his sister also went to Hofstra University. For really? So Crazy. if he tries to pull something out, you know, it can't do that. So Gives an advantage. Here we go. <laughs> Because because of the jury conversation, I agree with one of the things said in the interview that he probably won't be convicted because Mm -hmm. there's got to be someone on the jury that's going to have some sort of leaning towards Trump and is not going to indict him or or convict him. You know, like 
That's just that's I, what it, there uh, legally there is an option for it just to be with the judge, correct? I I don't know. I don't know. I, I think maybe certain. I'm gonna look, but I think it's only certain cases, and this only probably certain doesn't. Cases. Okay, because I feel like the best. Actually, no, because the judge might be biased as well, which yeah. judges are supposed to operate without bias, but human error in human feelings and emotions. Mm-hmm. You can't really say one way or another, but I just feel like it's a setup for failure if you're trying to get a panel of 12 people who have zero thoughts or feelings about Donald Trump positively or negatively, because that's just a impossible task to try to find them, in my opinion. Okay, so cases of this magnitude have to have a jury, but majority of U.S. criminal cases do not conclude with a jury because most of them are like the parking ticket in the court mm. case. The, the judge just, duties of... Yeah, it's just <laughs> plea deals for those. But um, So this magnitude, it has to have mm-hmm. a jury. Okay, that's understandable. But it's just like you're going up against a brick wall trying to find 12 individuals to be a part of this jury. Also, Dallas, I think you made a great point before the show about having a criminal record and running for president. I don't know if oh, you want to say it. I think it's insane that he could be indicted or he could just have these charges brought up against him when, in fact, in some, in many cases, convicted felons don't have the right to vote. I think that's something that we as a country need to reflect upon. I think even if you're actively in prison, depending on what charges are against you or if you're in jail, you should still have the right to vote because that's still your community. Mm. That's still a community that is affected and impacted by policies and politics. And once you get out, if we want to focus on recidivism or just people reintegrating into society, we should give them the right to vote or have their voice heard because there's still people who are part of that community and will re-enter that community once they leave. And then it almost feels like you're outcasted sometimes after you come back from prison. Because like you said, Dallas, you know, you, you can't vote, right? There really is no way for you mm-hmm. to kind of get back into the process of really having your voice heard. But I, I know states are, are trying to change those laws, so I think that will be beneficial. But granted, I don't know how much of a stepping stone that really is. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious how that works with expungement for, the, um, for any marijuana-related offenses. I know they had uh, for any records over there. So I don't, I don't know if that's really gotten a turnaround yet for some of the states. But... We'll see how that goes. Uh, granted, I, I don't really know what um, you know Trump's going to have. Let's say if he does go to prison, if that's the case, I, I would agree with Kevin. I don't actually know if this is going to really um, go towards that. But they, remember, this isn't. We got a couple like sequels in this television series here because we got a couple other indictments. This is like um, season eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's going to be a couple of them coming through possibly uh, when it comes to Georgia with election interference and a couple other aspects. Um, of course, January 6th for 2020 mm-hmm. through there, um, how those could possibly be impacted. I think this is this is like the appetizer, right? We're only getting the hors d'oeuvres An here. appetizer of over 30 criminal charges. Yep, and and now you're just waiting for your salad, you're getting your entree. <laughs> there, There's no dessert here, though, folks. I'm sorry. You don't get any extra helpings after that. But it's just one big piling, steaming heap of whatever is going to come out of all these cases. Mm-hmm. And I just have no clue what is going to In transpire. all honesty, if I was him, I would just wrap it up. I would just be like, you know what? I've done what I could. I might go to jail because of this. I just don't think... I've never been president before, so I can't speak on the pull and power of potentially being president. Mm. But I don't think it's worth keeping up with the charade or just being in the public spotlight after all of the things you've had to go through to just even announce or continue your 2024 bid. 
But the issue is though is that that that's his brand. The charade and the facade mm-hmm. is the brand. You know, all all of the you know extravagant mm-hmm. wealth and all of that. I would Every, just be exhausted. Yeah. I still think him running for president was at first just publicity. And then he won, and he was like, oh, wow, I won, actually. Mm Because he was shocked when he won. Mm -hmm. I I don't know, though, because I remember when President Obama made fun of the whole, I know, like the whole birther controversy and stuff. And, you know, he directly was, you know, going with Donald Trump there and trying to go at him. And I think that Donald Trump was, I guess, hurt in that aspect of being like, just you wait. You know, something's going to happen through there. And, you know, maybe he did have more of that intention through that. I think going down the golden uh, escalator and just be like, oh, my gosh, I'm ready for president. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was kind of a whole thing through that. Uh, but granted, I, I think he had a bit larger intentions after that moment. If that yeah. Was the case. There was definitely a turning point where, you know, he didn't he didn't assume office with the idea of, OK, I just did this for publicity. Now what do I do? Mm-hmm. There was there was a point though. I mean, like you said, golden escalator. I mean, he was just doing it for a headline. And then he gained ground and i remember in the primaries thinking like when they were doing the republican debates for the primary i was thinking oh, okay this guy's actually serious about it because he was he was telling off a lot of the other people at those mm-hmm. at those events like jeb bush like he was smoking jeb bush <laughs> there was some funny i mean i know i i don't condone everything that he said of course but there are there are some jabs that he made that there are like, some hey. there are some points where i was just like wow there was something good. on TikTok that people were going crazy about when they were like, when Donald Trump said this, like, I don't agree with him, but that was kind of a bar. What was when there he was said the it. Marco Rubio one with the little hands? Or yes. Something? There was yes. the Hillary Clinton one. Yeah, the you should be in jail, I think. Yeah, she you said, thank God we don't have someone with the temperament of Donald Trump running this country. And he said, because you'd be in jail right now. <laughs> that was, that was, at, was it the Hofstra? I think it was the Hofstra one. It probably, um, was it the Hofstra one? No, that was 2020. The... So no. No, 2016. Oh no, 2016. Probably, probably was. Oh no, you know what? No, that was the standing one. The town hall one was when he said that. That mm. wasn't here. Okay. That was the second one, I believe. But I don't know. People also like are obsessed with that clip of Joe Biden's speech where he was like, "We're Americans, second to none." That's all over TikTok. These people were just like, it was a hype. It was a hype speech, and people were like. I might not agree with Joe Biden politically, but whoever wrote the speech had some bangers, and I I agree. It was a pretty fire speech. And, and then I guess the the last thing on this aspect is that Trump's actually going to be you know, tonight, literally after he gets you know all the fingerprinting and mugshots and everything, he's giving a televised address or not a televised address <laughs> if they choose to carry it, but you know just trying to have like a address afterward. What's it going to be like the whole? You it's know, also like if dots. if. I can't imagine him giving that address and not talking about what just occurred during the day. Like, if he if he was indicted, yeah. if he wasn't, because news outlets aren't allowed to broadcast the arraignment today. So that's, like, a perfect opportunity for him to get ahead of the story if he chose to. Yep. But I also can't imagine that he's not allowed to talk about it because it's an active case. But who knows if he respects those rules. No, he'll, he'll go on, like, Facebook Live and do <laughs> the battered victim. Selfie style. Now we're going to take the country back. He'll do that whole speech. Well, they, they did reinstate his Facebook and Twitter. He just has a new Which speech. is crazy. What app is he on? He's got so his he's own. on Truth Social. That's, yes. That's the, um, that's the app. Which it, doesn't sound like it's taken off anytime soon. It, it hasn't really gained a lot of traction no. in there as far as I remember. Maybe if TikTok gets banned, then, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, then Truth Social is where we turn to. I do you think that's going to happen? Yes, I, I do. I think it is, but I also think it's sh- – sorry, pardon my language. I think it's stupid. I think it's yeah. very stupid just because the concerns that they might have about TikTok should also apply to all other social media apps. Yep. But we don't see the same energy given to like 
Facebook. We don't see the same energy given to Twitter. Like, fa- um, Mark Zuckerberg literally had to appear in front of a court, and nothing came out of that. Yeah, yeah it's just because it's China. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel because foreign entity basis. For it's. I feel like it's rooted yeah. in xenophobia, but... It's not like the American government has mm-hmm. Facebook and Instagram. It's just a guy. Exactly. That has all of it, too. Exactly. Which almost feels equally dangerous to mm-hmm. a non-ally having it. I also feel as though, like, what's problematic for me is just the people who are on the side of the U.S. government speaking against TikTok don't have TikTok, never have been on TikTok, are unaware of what TikTok actually is for an average user. Because, like, if you watched um, their points online or something like that, you could just see that they're so completely unaware of the reality of what they're talking about, and they just want to be angry to be angry, if that makes sense. Yeah, we, we actually talked about, the, about this yesterday in our theories of media class. It was kind of like the 15 seconds of fame you get, really, as a, as a congressperson yeah. or representative to go and just say your piece because you'll be on, you know, CNN or C-SPAN or mm-hmm. something like, oh, my gosh, I made it. But, you know, if really anything comes out of that, who knows? But it's interesting to see, though, because obviously with, you know, former President Trump, he was looking to ban TikTok. But now Joe Biden now trying to look to ban TikTok, at least more in the – uh, legislative circles as well so i i don't know how i guess that i guess bipartisan aspect in this case kind of went through in that, that regard but i guess everyone know. just has a mutual hate f- in government for china and when america doesn't have mm-hmm. like we're not the best oh, we got yeah, ex- one better i also think the fact that they're trying one of the solutions that i've seen proposed is having tiktok be sold to an american company yeah, I, that's, that's the only way it enough. can't get banned mm-hmm. is if China sells it to an American vendor, but that won't happen. Mm-hmm. And what would you even value it at? I don't even know what they would value it at. Also, TikTok is like an international platform, so it's it's unfair to, in my brain, it's unfair to other countries for this to be the solution because other countries are like, might maybe they have the same concerns as the U.S. government, but other countries might just be like, we don't care, or this isn't a deal, big deal for us personally. Um so I just feel like it also raises concerns about like who would buy TikTok, who would be able to actually feasibly purchase TikTok, depending on how much Jeff they sell Bezos. it for. <laughs> well, well, the other aspect is then you can just have in like I guess the well quote American version of TikTok, right? If you just want to make your own kind of aspect, it's not the same algorithm, but mm-hmm. if you wanted to do that in kind of the same format, I just feel like people wouldn't gravitate towards it the same way they gravitated towards TikTok. Like I feel like American people our age who have been on TikTok and have the long-standing history of being on TikTok as it is right now, would just be like, I'm over this. This is kind of dumb. My question is, what would you call that app? Like, TikTok? Like, TikTok? TikTok. TikTok. On the topic of social media, how does everyone feel about the Twitter update? What Twitter update? Oh, the, really... the checkmark thing? Well, so the checkmark thing now, so no, you have to pay for Twitter Blue for a checkmark. Yes. Oh, I think that's insane. Also... If you go on it on your computer, on a desktop or a laptop, okay. there is, you know Doge? The, like yeah. the coin, the Dogecoin? Yeah. So Elon Musk owns Dogecoin. Yep. And it that logo, that actual dog, is all over the screen. No. If you no, go okay, on Twitter, see. it's in different places on every single, it's like Where's Waldo? Like it's somewhere on the screen. Oh, I saw, yep. Oh, I now I it's see the, it. Yeah, it's the loading symbol now for Twitter. This is this is his trolling of everybody. I think I that's yeah. so childish. By the way, let's see another. Dogecoin value right now. <laughs> um, oh wow! 
That's crazy. Yeah, so I, I think sense. Home Not screen, it's just point. top left corner. You'll see the dog. Mm-hmm. But some people are still verified, so that didn't actually get wiped mm-hmm. with, I don't know. I also think um, Twitter Blue itself is has room for safety concerns because anyone who just pays for Twitter Blue could put anybody else's name on there and say, oh, I'm now Chris Evans. Yeah. I'm not Chris Evans, obviously. Now, but- now Twitter's totally just tanking in informational value, I mm-hmm. feel like, since mm-hmm. Elon Musk took it over. 100%. If you would like to buy Dogecoin, it is $0.10 cents right now to the U.S. dollar. Uh, <laughs> I remember this was the biggest thing. It used to be, let's see, the highest one it had, it was at $0.64, cents, May 7th of 2021. And everybody was like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be the next big thing. Crashed almost immediately. And then now it's at $0.10. Cents. Bitcoin as a whole was just, it just didn't work out. It, you know, for some people, it's still working. For some, but you had to really have mass amounts of it, yeah. and a good amount of actual <laughs> real, dollars, real money, <laughs> to invest in it. Mm-hmm. But for so many people that just got it, and what was the other thing? It was the little pictures. Oh, NFTs. All NFTs. Fungible tokens. Yep. The yeah, amount those, of times I've had. I mean, what was the deal with that? The amount of times I've had people try to explain to me what an NFT was, and I just sat there like, so it's just a picture. It's a, but if it's a, it's a piece of a picture though, right? Because you can get like yeah. one of like a hundred thousand or There's something. There's collections of them. It, it doesn't make sense. No, just it doesn't. Go. Which kind of in my head, it's like, all right, makes a little bit of sense that you want to put these collectible like puzzle pieces out. I could just take a screenshot of some of exactly. people repost that like I just bought this NFT. I just took a picture of it. Now I have it. <laughs> if I want to make this puzzle, I literally have it. When right people now. like post the NFT on Twitter, like oh buy this NFT for X amount of yeah. price, and I was just like, you what just gave it to us for it? free. Nothing. I'm gonna do nothing with it. Look at it. Put and, it on my desktop. Have the bank failures, obviously. I mean, you have everything that's going on with um, oh financial crises. Yeah, everything in, in the new banking world, at least uh, how that goes. So I I think the crypto you know the crypto hype is gone, but I think people are still really holding on to it for some reason. But I don't know, maybe something comes along. You know, we had the the Shibu Inu dollar. I know that's that's in there. Can we stop putting dogs as mascots for <laughs> for Bitcoin? Wait, isn't that the same dog though? No, they're I thought they were different. But isn't is yeah, it? it is. That's a Doge dog, oh. Shibu Inu. That's the Doge dog. I mean, what is happening? <laughs> Sorry, she, she, but you knew. My apologies. Kevin, yeah. Kevin is sick and tired. Well, yeah, do, like, do, it's CNN report right here. Dogecoin jumps after Elon Musk replaces Twitter bird with Shiba Inu. No, but seriously, like Twitter was where I got most of my information, mm-hmm. and mainly as a sports fan, that's where I'd follow all the beat writers and people who are really keyed into situations. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know if it's actually them because people can also just pay for Twitter Blue and become an expert exactly. on like the New York Jets. And I'm like, hey, exactly, you have, you have four followers, and you're telling me you're an expert on the that's New York what, Jets. Like, if someone tweets something, and I don't. Sometimes you don't even think to double check, but then you have to go to the account mm-hmm. to see if they're actually the person. How many followers do they have? Mm-hmm. That's a disaster. Twitter's a disaster now. It's so disappointing. I love Twitter. <laughs> Twitter is amazing, but it's also like the worst part of human society at some point. In time. It is when you really go in, when you actually really take a dive on Twitter. It's it's the worst human beings. Well, we are not with the worst human beings. We're with everybody here on the morning show, so can't complain with that. But we are going to go and take a quick uh, from social media to a bit of a social reprieve for now. Uh, and then we're going to go on to our next interview that Mikey did uh, for the CEO of You Now over there. So we'll get to that in a little bit. 
The frequency, 88.7 FM. The call letters, WRHU. The website, WRHU.org. Hofstra's Morning Wake Up Call. Morning Wake Up Call. Lively talk. Long Island life. National news. International issues. Through the minds and mouths of Hofstra students. Of course, Miley Cyrus and Dua Lipa there with Prisoner. Of course, one of my favorite songs on that album. Midnight Sky is good, too. So if you ever get a good listen to that, that's always a fun one. Otherwise, though, we are going to head into the second of Mikey's interviews today with the CEO of You Now. So we'll go and play that for you now. So I wanted to start off by asking, what is your initial reaction to the potential banning of TikTok? I'm pretty surprised by the idea that you're going to take a company and ban it entirely for really unspecified security concerns. I'm sure the concerns are real, uh, but it's not as if there haven't been leaks with a wide number of companies out there. Uh, And I'm just surprised that this is the hot button that they're focusing on right now. I don't know that they're really going to get it done or not. Um, As a competitor to theirs, I certainly wouldn't mind if it happens. Brings me to my next question about being a competitor. And I was wondering, would your company consider adopting some of TikTok's style in hopes of garnering more attention to the platform? Like as something like that company board games, like for example, Instagram has brought forth for the past year to Instagram Reels and we've seen YouTube Shorts. Has your company thought of doing something like that? No, we're a really different type of live entertainment company. Everybody who is a creator on our platform is usually broadcasting for several hours at a time, which is just a, a very different vibe than the super short hits that you have on TikTok or Instagram or even YouTube for that matter. Um, and we are also entirely community supported. So while TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, everybody else that you really think of in the live broadcasting space relies heavily on ad dollars, we really rely on our community. Uh, we take, um, a share of what they pay to the broadcasters, and that's how we support ourselves. And there really aren't too many other companies out there that do that, but that really changes how we prioritize things. We're not looking to have a massive, massive uh, user base that where you get millions and millions of views, but they aren't actually your fans. We're looking for people who have 100, 1,000, 5,000 really true fans who are really interested in the stuff that they're creating. My last question, I was curious, do you believe that your company is poised to gain, in a sense, from if TikTok were to be banned, would your company, as a competitor, how much would that help you potentially? As the uh, the CEO of you now, I'm sure it's not going to hurt us if TikTok is banned. Uh, But I don't know how much we are actually going to gain because the satisfaction that people get from a company like TikTok is a really quick dopamine hit and no real connection with your fans, with your friends or anything else on there. Uh, so I, you know, I think we'll gain some people. There are certainly people who come from TikTok to you now all the time who say like, hey, either I can't make any money on TikTok or I just want to be able to talk to people. I don't want a flood of comments and whatever else is going on there. Uh, And so I think we'll gain a disproportionate amount of those people if TikTok were to be banned. But I don't think I'm going to all of a sudden gain 100 million users. 
Welcome back, everyone. Thanks again to Mikey for that report. It, it flowed really great. We had that TikTok discussion, and then we just went right into it, got some uh, critiques over there, uh, some expertise from the CEO of YouNow, so great to have that. Some other expertise today from Kevin, because apparently he had this product as a child, it seems, uh, for what his story's on. So go ahead, Kevin. I think everybody had this product as a child. It's Johnson & Johnson's staple. It's the classic talcum baby powder. And it has shown that it increases the likelihood of cancer in women significantly. 40 years of lawsuits against the pharmaceutical giant accuse them of having an impact on their cancer diagnosis. Now, justice will be served as $4 billion in compensation is being offered to female cancer patient, patients who use the product and think that maybe it impacted their diagnosis and their um, the fact that they have cancer. The following products are the ones that female patients can seek compensation for if they used. Johnson's Baby Powder, Shower to Shower, and Magic Baby Powder. And the talcum powder has only caused cancer in female patients. There's no data supporting male cancer patients. I just think this is added to a long list of Johnson & Johnson disasters. They cannot stay in the news for positive light about their products. I, I always see the commercials of class action lawsuit, Johnson & Johnson talcum baby powder. That, that's yep. I hear more of that than the actual product itself. That's how much it so is. So with all of those, now officially they're giving out $4 billion in compensation to anyone who could have been affected. But okay, $4 billion to anyone who could have been affected. If we know this was a really big rampant problem, how much is that really going to do for everybody? That's not, not going to pay much. medical and bills. 40 years of lawsuits, unfortunately, if a woman with cancer 40 years ago placed uh, a lawsuit, filed a lawsuit, she's whether she's beat cancer or not, she is probably not alive anymore. Mm -hmm. So yes. that doesn't help her at all. It's like the worth of a Big Mac comparing how much <laughs> you're actually going to get out of this yeah. settlement. It's like, what? I think it's... I'm always like, how did we get to this point where it took 40 years of lawsuits for this ruling to occur a b raising your risk of cancer from th between 30 to 60 percent is so terrifying because i feel like a lot of people know somebody who has cancer and cancer is nowadays feels incredibly common but the fact that my personal risk of cancer as a woman could skyrocket now i have to call my mom and be like hey <laughs> did do you remember what baby powder you used on me well do you see the picture of it yes because that when i saw the picture i knew that's the one that i had in my house. i promise you i've seen one of these in my house before i just don't know how old it was when i how old i was when i used it and so now i'm just like parents hey um let me know if you bought this product in the past 40 years because i've definitely used it before i can guarantee it luckily for me <laughs> not a woman Kevin in the clear. But I've absolutely used these bottles of powder. But it's it's just, it's very concerning how something could slip through the cracks of people who test the products, people who promote the products, and then it for 40 years this has been at least going on. We've been seeing lawsuits regarding people connecting this to cancer. Yeah. And then it took almost 50 years for people to be like, hey, sorry about that, um... Here's $4 billion divided amongst yourselves. So Johnson Johnson, just to like review their history, incredibly successful pharmaceutical company, but they had the Tylenol issue mm -hmm. yep. in the 90s, 80s. 
Um, I don't know the exact decade. I mean, for you it. got the COVID vaccine, right? The COVID vaccine, which I got because I only wanted to get the one shot. I had a disaster with it. I mean, my God, what a that threw me through the ringer so badly for months. And apparently, I went back to my doctor's office, and they said that their studies show whatever the umbrella company of the offices that the vaccine, the Johnson Johnson, only lasts four to six weeks, compared to. Pfizer, Moderna last six to eight months. So I mean, what a what a wreck that was <laughs> for me. And now this baby powder, no good. Well, this is an article from Reuters actually that was only a couple weeks ago. But Johnson Johnson is actually looking to the U.S. Supreme Court for the unit's bankruptcy. Uh, There's a subsidiary of Johnson Johnson that was trying to file for bankruptcy, but because they were like, "Well, we're in financial distress because of all the lawsuits and whatnot, and all these compensations that we're doing." Um, and so, just from the article itself, it says, "Quote: J and J sought to use the bankruptcy of its subsidiary company, LTL Management, to halt more than 38,000 lawsuits alleging That's the company's insane. baby powder and other talk products are contaminated with asbestos, which Johnson and Johnson denies." If I knew that my baby powder was with asbestos, I you I see so many commercials about like if you if you are a loved one, and the fact that diagnosed with mesothelioma exactly, and you see so many commercials about that. But the fact that these are products that are typically used for children, like on actual babies, mm. is extra concerning <laughs> because oh babies' immune systems are incredibly weak, and they're just you know growing into that. But it's it's scary as a parent to just be hyper aware of what you're using on your child. And then a product that you assume has been trusted for as long as Johnson & Johnson has been a company or been around is actually incredibly dangerous for them. So so actually, the, one of these settlements, it was 22 women, were actually awarded more than $2 billion. So I, you know what? That's, that's not bad. But everybody else, I, I guess they're not getting much. They might get some lunch money to go against something. I, I don't really know how much they're going to get out of it. Yeah, unfortunate. Unfortunately, because of how expensive cancer treatments are. Mm-hmm. And if a woman had to... It just, it just stinks, because how many... I hate to like put us into this headspace. How many products do we use without second thought that in 30 years could be like this? Yep. That's a frightening thought. Yeah, you're right. Now I'm very much like, what is going to be the big product that when we're adults, we're going to be like, oh, oh no, this is something I've used every also, single day of my life. unrelated to the importance of this, Woody Johnson is the heir. I mean, Johnson Johnson's like 150, and 200 it, years old. Isn't he the ambassador? He, well, he was the ambassador to the UK for Donald Trump. Mm. He also owns the Jets, and he stinks at that. <laughs> I mean, they've been terrible forever. I'm a Jets fan. He makes my life miserable. And now this, I mean... Time for the Johnsons to get out of the picture. But <laughs> I, I know you want another Hofstra connection today. The J. Seward Johnson Jr. actually made Walter <laughs> on campus, the, the creating statue by the tree, and then he also made the hitchhiker. Interesting. Who is the, Luke is full of Hofstra historical facts. You really are. Yeah, so it get, you get connections every day somewhere. Uh, but yes, so definitely something to look out for. I know these have been going on for ages, these lawsuits. Uh, so granted, something to throw in there. If need be. If we did have a bit more time today, I would have played Centerfold by the J. Giles Band, but I know we do have to get going a little bit. So, Dallas, feel free to go throw it to our next story that we so, got. So, in terms of international news, Marlene Schiappa, a French government minister, has become the topic of controversy with fellow members of her own party after appearing on the front cover of Playboy magazine. 
Schiappa has been a government minister since 2017 when she was appointed as the country's first ever gender equality minister. And she recently appeared on the cover of the magazine with a 12-page interview she did focusing on women's and LGBTQ plus rights. Schiappa was featured on the cover wearing a white dress and this appearance brought criticism from her political colleagues, including French Prime Minister Elizabeth Bourne, who told Schiappa that, quote, it wasn't appropriate, especially during this period, according to a CNN affiliate. Bourne, assumingly, was referring to the current state of unrest in France, and Chiappa tweeted on Saturday in response to the credit saying, quote, Defending the rights of women to have control of their bodies, that's everywhere and all the time. In France, women are free, with all due respect to the detractors and hypocrites. End quote. And I wanted to get you guys' thoughts because I feel like a lot of the times um, people direct women just being, you know, with their femininity in negative regards, especially if they're women in position of power. So I wanted to hear you guys' thoughts and opinions. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm curious in this aspect just because I know Paris has a lot of, of things in regards to protests going on when it comes to, to wages and, and things of that nature for job security and whatnot. And it's interesting to see at least how, you know, especially I, th- I think that's important in the in the case of showcasing, you know, femininity and all that stuff in the way you want to represent it. But I also think there's a there's a time to do that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is the exact time to really focus on that uh, and those instances. On, and even even so, even with the French prime minister is also a woman. Uh, she was at least saying for herself that, uh, quote, it wasn't appropriate, especially during this period, end quote. Uh, but granted, you know, everyone can do their own thing. Obviously, they have the right to do that, of course. Uh, but granted, I don't know if that was the best action to utilize at the current moment, uh, whether what she was looking to get out of that particular issue or uh, interview and whatnot. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, maybe there was some regards in that for promoting her own office and uh, what that is used to be creating, which is important. But at the same time, I think there's there's larger issues in that sense as well. She also has a, like a negative history with things like this so um i don't i don't know if she should be in controversy for this i agree with luke there's a time for everything but she does have a negative history when i'm looking through her um i don't even want to say some of the stuff she did on air because i don't know if that's allowed but let's just put it that way she's mm-hmm. got she has since she's been in government in 2017 long before she was even in government in 2017 she has been criticized for different like sexual things that she's put out on the the internet and into the world and so she's been a topic of criticism mm-hmm. and controversy for her whole career professionally politically so it's a uh i don't know this is interesting yeah it's a it's an interesting story because like you mentioned there seems to be a history with her specifically but just kind of in general, just thinking about, like, yes, Playboy magazine may have a reputation for one thing or another. But um, I also think it's important to kind of reclaim that kind of ideology from a woman's perspective to use it as a platform to talk about w- issues concerning women's rights or gender equality or LGBTQ plus rights um, and taking back kind of that label of being a woman on Playboy. I think. I- I agree with that. That's why I think that this this specific thing, I don't think she should be really in heat for. I understand why she's going to be anyways, just because that's how people are with something like this. But I understand why she has been in the past. And I guess when you mix the fact that she has been a controversial figure with now anything she does slightly is going to be looked at mm-hmm. the wrong way by those who are you know, in France or work with her or... Um, maybe opponents politically. So, 
It is very interesting, though, mm-hmm. because it does go to that whole f- what can females get away with, for lack of a better phrase, because there's so there's such a line that I don't think is the correct line, but there's such a line that female figures can some of them can get away with anything that they do, but then some can't get away with with anything that they do. Mm. So it's very tough to navigate that and what's right and wrong. And in this case, I think that I like what she's doing with Playboy as the platform. I think that she should be more so commended. Is it proper time for it? You know, that's for everyone to individually decide. Mm-hmm. But I, I actually, you know, I think that this, this uh, of her, all of her controversies, this should not be one of them. And I think, like you said, Kevin, it's more of a redefining of Playboy itself, too, because I know we've, you've seen it more as that, I, I guess, I, I don't know what you want to, I guess more sexualizing women, in a sense, with that magazine and whatnot through the Hefner days. Uh, but granted, having some different uh, takes through Playboy could definitely be more beneficial for them in terms of a, a modern contemporary light, uh, which could be beneficial in that regard. Uh, but granted, I also know that the magazine itself isn't actually on physical newsstands anymore. I know it is only digital in that regard. Uh, as well, but granted, I don't know any of the other controversies through this minister itself, uh, but definitely at least something to look out for if something does happen. I know one thing to look out for, just want to get your quick take on it. This is actually on, I guess, the uh, Shiba Inu uh, of Twitter now, uh, but apparently Harry Potter is actually going to get a TV series reboot. Uh, so, yeah, I was like, it's trending on Twitter right now, figured to bring it up. Uh, J.K. Rowling will be involved in it. Uh, she will not be the showrunner, uh, but she is going to stick to it uh, so it, uh, it quote uh, is faithful to her original material uh, so granted there's something to throw in for that there but th- how how does that work because I've already seen these instances of like for example Avatar The Last Airbender oh, getting gosh. a reboot but here's the thing the showrunners aren't involved right they split off they make Avatar Studios they're going to do their entirely new thing it's going to be like the multiverse of Avatar basically mm-hmm. but in this instance I think it's a bit different because I think there's a few aspects to the Harry Potter books, obviously, that were not included uh, through the original intent uh, of the movies. And so I guess maybe trying to mm-hmm. reformat it that way in its original intent. Uh, but granted, I don't know how much it's going to do. Do you bring any of the actors in again that were the original one? I know you got Hogwarts Legacy and stuff now. I'm not really the big Harry Potter fan of my family. Uh, but granted, still something that I don't know how many people are really going to embrace as much. But then again, I think a lot of the times it's, well, it's my childhood. You can't mm-hmm. ruin that. I so. think I might be spe- speaking, I'm speaking from the perspective of somebody who did not consume any aspect of Harry Potter media, did not read any of the books, did not watch any of the movies. But on top of that, there's already so much. I feel like the market for Harry Potter is so oversaturated with the books, the movies, the cursed child play that there was, the r- spinoff movies after the fact, that I just don't think there's enough room to have... A TV show about Harry Potter. Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to keep it about the original storyline? Are you going to introduce new characters? It just feels like too much. That's a great point because I feel like now in... And I like Harry Potter. I like the movies. I enjoyed the books. But I feel like now in cinema, we are seeing everything is Star Wars. They're just overplaying it so much now. Mm -hmm. Marvel is just like doesn't even stop ever driving me nuts it's it's every big movie that comes out now is only marvel and they're just redoing all of the stuff that works instead of creating new things mm-hmm. so like you said it's what how do you actually make the room in the universe of these movies 
to add, keep adding. And this is this series is going to be seven seasons or eight seasons, I guess, one for each book. I think that's insane to put that much out there now. Like you haven't even put out one season, and you're already. I'm yeah. assuming they signed on a contract for eight. Yeah. Which is and if there's and people watch it because you have that cult following for mm-hmm. all these things. And just. It, it's like Star Wars. They'll just keep consuming it. You exactly. can make 20 different shows, and they'll watch it no matter what the heck it is, whatever it has. If they completely scrap it and do something new, they'll still be onto it because it's got the name. I feel it doesn't like, matter. I feel like for a long time we may never see a new franchise. Yep. Like, I think we've run out of we have. overarching universes or overarching, like, new storylines. And I don't know if we'll ever have the space for that again. Like, even even with a movie that I absolutely love, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. If you haven't seen that movie, go see that movie. It's It goes back to the Shrek franchise, which was in the early 2000s. Yep. We're running out of new stories to tell. Granted, it was an amazing movie. Go watch it if you haven't. But there's no nothing new coming out. There were, like, four Pinocchio movies that came out in the last did, year. Did we need a Space Jam 2? No. No. No, and no. I didn't see that. That, that was stunk. garbage. The first one was overrated, but it was good, but it was overrated. Mm-hmm. I don't know the, the big phenomenon. But no one, one makes any new content anymore. No, they don't. Even, even if it is somewhat of a new concept, there's always some old, you know, older texts. that Like, a lot of Shakespeare stuff, right? Ten, ten things I hate about you while unique. Technically based on Taming of the Shrew from Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. So. Indiana Jones 5 is coming out this summer. <laughs> I love Indiana Jones 1 and 2. They don't need a 5. And what? Jurassic Park. How many Jurassic times, Park how many times are you going to open this place? Well, you got to be careful. Shia LaBeouf is going to come at you if that's the case. <laughs> Jurassic gonna, Park is done. going to return. Bring, bring new franchises to the table. I'm we, begging somebody in Hollywood. We will have to return uh, just a little bit because we do, of course, have our legal top of the hour for the Federal Communications Commission. So the FCC, if you're listening, uh, this one's for you. This goes out to you today. So we'll see you. Hofstra's morning wake-up call. Morning wake-up call. Lively talk. Long Island life. National news. International issues. Through the minds and mouths of Hofstra students. You're listening to the Hofstra morning wake-up call only on 88.7 FM Radio Hofstra University. All thoughts and opinions stated here on the Hofstra morning wake-up call do not reflect the views of 88.7 FM WRHU and its management, Hofstra University, as well as its board of trustees. All contrasting views can be sent to programming at WRHU.org or to 111 Hofstra University, Hempstead, New York, 11549. Welcome back to the second hour here for the Morning Wake Up Call. If you're listening for us, again, it's myself. We got Dallas Jackson, Kevin Bunk. We're all over here. We're doing great. We might have had our bit of a TV rant over here in terms of what new material might come in, but we got new material for you coming up in this second hour. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, Governor Ron DeSantis coming to the cradle of aviation over here on the island. Uh, Also, some uh, developments with the croissant, how uh, some new aspects are going to be inputted through there. Uh, And a Newsday report regarding public school districts and educators over sexual assault and harassment. Otherwise, we will get to that in just a little bit. (music) 
Welcome back again. I know we all enjoyed our little fun there on the TV shows. I know we talked a little before. Kevin, you were talking about The Last of Us, Last of Us and then Dallas, you are talking about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, kind of having that aspect too. What, what was all that for? It was more so like I was trying to reflect on the newest, like different movie I've seen in recent times. And it was probably everything everywhere all at once because I haven't ever seen a movie like that. But then I was like, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever itself was an amazing movie. But it was also just another sequel that Marvel churned out again was it a great story did i love the movie yes but it goes to show like how kevin said earlier marvel just keeps pumping out the same storylines over and over and over what about avatar too they just uh, made another avatar I, they're gonna make like five more of them and they had that initially in the plans too i hate i don't know how that the avatar movies i don't know how this past movie did so good i thought that was gonna bomb it was boring and they made over a billion dollars again i think did they, i think they make over two or they, they probably i think they did I don't it was, know. I, I think the, the the main character in that, who's also the green girl in Guardians of the Galaxy, yes, Zoe Saldana. Yep, she's been in all four two billion dollar mm-hmm. movies. Wow, only actor actress to be in all four. Two point three billion dollars, which yep. good for her. Chase the bag. Yep. I respect right. the grind. But however, maybe I'm just not the demographic for the Avatar movies. I remember no aspects of the plot of the first one. No. And I recently tried to rewatch it. I was like, what's happening well, Wasn't here? it, he just goes into that pod, kind of. It turns him and into an avatar. And he takes that avatar, yeah, of the Na'vi, yeah. And then he falls in love with her. Mm-hmm. But he's trying to fit, like bridge between the two worlds, and he just eventually becomes one of them. Yeah, that I didn't get. And I don't know. Well, where's his body? <laughs> How is he in there? Kevin points out the plot holes in the Avatar. Seriously, <laughs> though, isn't he not even a human in the second one at all? No, I don't think. How does that work? He's a full-on Navi, and then he has Navi children. In the first movie, he still had to get, they didn't think it through, because in the first movie, he still had to get up and eat mm-hmm. and take breaks and sleep like a human being. Well, my issue is, why is Sigourney Weaver in the movie again? She was She was the doctor in the first one, but then she died. And now she's in the second one as a teenager. You just spoiled my rewatch. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, like, what can I do? Kevin's like, Luke ruined this movie for me. Oh. Was she in this? But well. it was like, it doesn't make sense from a story structure for me personally. Again, if you love the Avatar film franchise, power to you. I just think they threw so much money at the visual aspects on it of it that they had to make $2 billion in order to just break even or even just be like, we made some form of a profit because, yes, it's a beautiful spectacle. Like, But I got bored. I got bored of looking at fun things on the screen. And when I tried to pay attention to the plot, I realized I have no clue what's happening here. So I'm just looking where does this rank in. Yeah, so this was the largest film budget of all time. $460 million production oh budget. $60 million more than Avengers Endgame, which was second. But that so, had action in it. That, it had, was... that had action in a plot. But So Avatar, the first one, I never thought, as far as plot goes, I mean, we just talked about it. There's nothing there, really. Mm-hmm. But it was in, it was visual innovation. It mm-hmm. Something you've never seen. Something no one has ever seen mm-hmm. before in the first one. Kind of like A Space Odyssey. Yeah, mm-hmm. 2001, of course. So those movies, I understand why they're so successful. But now we've seen it so many times since they made the first one. How was the second one this big? I need somebody who's a fan of this movie to explain it. And to now me they're making seven total, which is insane because the amount of time it took them to make the second one. When are we gonna do? Do they have a date for the third one? What when it's coming out? So what they're doing is, from what I read, so this one was Way of the Water. Yep. The first one was kind of 
without their intention about the earth that they live on. And they're doing, like the last airbender, it's earth, fire, water, air. air. So they're making one for every element. Oh, gosh. For avatars. This is just Avatar. So this was the water. Now, yeah, exactly. But they're blue. (laughs) And now. They can't bend it, though. They're blue. The next one, they're going to. What? The whole movie's going to be on fire? What (laughs) is that? That'd be pretty. Honestly, that'd be pretty cool, though. I I, I actually might want to see that. But what what we do have to go and see is some other stories we got for uh, Dallas's dish again. But it's the, the local edition for what we have. So, Dallas, feel free to take it away for us. So taking you through our headlines around New York and Long Island, according to the State Department of Environmental Conservation, more than 40 Long Island communities have been declared, quote, disproportionately affected by pollution and climate change, end quote, making them eligible for funds towards the introduction of clean energy products. Yesterday, Monday, the state of New York approved 23 conditional cannabis dispensary licenses for Long Island, raising the number of businesses approved to open recreational pot shops on the island to 36. And... In New York State budget talks have been extended to April 10th, according to members of the New York Senate. And those are your headlines for around Long Island. I, I'm surprised about the uh, the cannabis aspect because I know we just had the interview not even a week ago about it uh, with the Rockefeller uh, Institute over there. So really good to see that uh, that did get expanded. Hey, you never maybe listen to our interview and said, you know what? We should go and expand these licenses now. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, good good on the aspect to go and see some change through there. Kevin, you know, I honestly, I completely forgot about the weather today. I didn't, I don't, did we even talk about the weather? The did first? we? I don't think we did. I think we kind of went right into it. So uh, we'll, we'll get the well, weather uh, aspect through there because I know while it might not have changed in the hour, you just never know. So go on ahead. Yeah, honestly, don't even remember if we did it in the first hour, but currently 45 degrees here at Hofstra, and the rest of the day it's going to be sunny with a high of 67 and a low of 45. So hopefully we hit that 67 later today, and it'll be a shorts and t-shirt day for me. 67, dang. I have been manifesting and hoping for a 75-degree day for weeks. And I get it, it's April, but it's been so cold. For so long. And it's been so rainy, which is just an aspect of Long Island. That April showers. I just don't like how it'll be like a tropical th- monsoon at random points during the day. That's something that if the weather people are watching, make it stop. I'm over it. Weather people, you can get... And now I'm the weather person for this, so... So, Kevin... Only make- job that you can do <laughs> and get wrong frequently and keep. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. This goes out to you, John Elliott and Lee Goldberg. Please tell us that it's going to be 75 degrees and sunny at some point. <laughs> I don't even care if you're lying. Just just say it. Just make us feel good. Let's see what the rest of the week looks like. It's it's. I know tomorrow and Thursday it's supposed to rain. That stinks. Which, that was the last time I checked. Um, I just don't like how we'll have like a 67-degree day and then torrential downpour the next day. Then it's like 45 degrees the next day. And then it's sh- grossly humid. For the rest of the day. So for the rest of the week, we have, today is the nicest day of the week. 64, sunny, it's supposed to be. The high is 67, but 64, sunny. Dallas, you're right. Wednesday, Thursday, rain. Friday, 60, but like a humid, cloudy, kind of gross day. Saturday, 53. Sunday, 55. Monday, 58 next week. Then it'll be in the 60s the rest of the week next week. Okay. But hopefully that happens because you know how that can change. It's like, mm-hmm. what's the safe point? Like three to four days ahead on the weather? Yeah. No, I, I think, think that's fair. Yeah, three. Three. I mean, I they got like 10 day extended forecast and now. I'm I like, don't, how do you I know? ignore the 10 day forecast because I'm like, how are you going to tell me the weather 10 days out 
when you know at the drop of a hat it'll be suddenly snowing for no reason. Well, you know, the, I remember, I always remember when I, I heard this at some point, but it's the whole thing about how the 100% to 0% and how it's like the area around you in that place is mm. getting it of like 50% of the area. But if it's 100%, it's the whole area. But if it's only 30%, it's only 30% of the town is getting rain. Which so. I didn't know that. I thought it was just the percent likelihood of rain. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I always thought. Another thing. Well, but it still is, though. Because if you're in the town, there's still that percent likelihood it's going to rain in your area of the town. I guess. My logic is different than yours, Kevin. But it's the same logic. It's just saying it differently. It's saying it the way we always thought it was, but it's still correct. It, I, it, just, it just blows my mind, though, just to think of that way. But I don't know. Yeah, well, I agree with you, because another, that's what we always thought. Yeah. yeah. Another thing that I don't get how it works is humidity. I don't really understand how humidity works. I just know that it's, it's sticky gross. and gross, and I don't like it. I hate humidity so much. I'd rather just dry heat. Oh, absolutely. So much better. That's why going to Florida actually stinks in the summer, mm-hmm. because the sunny days are still humid, mm-hmm. and you, you're just wet the <laughs> whole day. It's like you just got out of a, a hot pool. tub. Well. Before before we get to the sunshine state, which we will in a little bit, I know Dallas has the first story for oh, us yeah. on this local slot, so feel free to take it away. So, according to a shocking in-depth Newsday report, over the past decade, Long Island public school districts have persuaded over 100 tenure educators accused of misconduct allegations, including sexual and physical allegations. The full article can be read on Newsday's website and is described as the first ever investigation into teacher discipline on Long Island. The investigation took over three years for them to review over 5,000 pages of school and state disciplinary records through the Freedom of Information Law requests. Newsday found that school districts, one, shielded most details about alleged teacher wrongdoings. Uh, districts provided Newsday detailed reports, records only in a few dozen cases in which a state-appointed hearing officer decided the discipline. Two, omitted the alleged misconduct from agreements that led to the educator's departure. And three, paid teachers to leave with payouts representing t- salary teachers would have received while wait- awaiting a state disciplinary hearing on top of contractually obligated payments for unused sick and personal time. So it's a really groundbreaking report. If you have the time, read it because it kind of walks you through a bunch of different aspects of this case, especially with how they've been able to just keep paying people while they're on leave and not really disclosing the true, oftentimes, reality of why these teachers are on leave. I had a teacher who did this in, mm. in, he was a middle school teacher. He got either fired or removed. I don't know what happened. But um, it's definitely an issue on Long Island because you hear about it from town to town. The towns are really small in Long Island, so we're all kind of, like, word really travels fast between mm. towns. And everyone knows each other from the neighboring towns, so it just rips through Long Island when you hear about when this stuff happens and then everyone hears about it, I could, I at least know for sure, based on what I've heard from people who experience it, at least five teachers in Suffolk County were involved in something like this while I was in high school. And I already found out two weeks ago that two additional teachers, so I know of seven that this happened with. I don't know names specifically, and I wouldn't say them if I did, Mm -hmm. but... It's actually, it's it, this definitely is a, uh, a serious issue. And I think one aspect of this case, which is kind of a tricky situation, is the fact that school districts shielded details and withheld, obviously, names. If it's an active investigation, that's kind of a slippery slope. You can't really name the person. 
But if I was a parent in that school district, I would want to at least know when a teacher is going on leave or if a teacher has been fired and what actually happened to cause that. And the fact that districts have been able to kind of get away with withholding that information or hiding it from parents is kind of scary and concerning because parents are really just supposed to just trust the district to take care of and do what's right by the students. And it's all of the students, not only just students in specific classrooms. So it's kind of a scary thing to see when you realize that in at least 100 cases, information has not been properly communicated to families, loved ones, members of the community. I've heard that... Um, I'm just looking through this map on Newsday right now while I'm talking. Shouldn't do that. Can't multitask. <laughs> I... What are we talking about now? What were you talking about? I was talking about how districts were withholding information. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, th- when you look through these the allegations and everything and you see that that confidentiality aspect that legally schools have to have and i know of a story where a school one of the the best schools on long island there was a teacher who would tenured teacher who would make remarks to girls in school make them uncomfortable girls were sitting on his lap and he was giving them extra credit really really weird creepy stuff and instead of firing him or doing anything when they heard about it they wrote him a letter of recommendation to go teach at a school upstate mm. and that is i would have to assume more common than not kind of shooing the problem away exactly because if i've heard about that happening then there has to be other places where it's happened it can't just be a one-time thing here on the island. Well, then then it's the aspect of tenure sometimes, you know, and I, I just looked up at least through from the United Federation of Teachers kind of how the New York State requirements are for that. And so usually the probationary period in order to receive tenure for any full-time teachers uh, in the New York in the New York Public School District, usually about four years and a day uh, is then granted after that time when you have that probationary period. I, sometimes it might vary through districts for the most part in terms of what tenure in, incurs for that. Uh, but again, granted, uh, this is just directly from UFT, but it says, quote, having tenure means you may not be disciplined or terminated without due process for reasons other than failure to complete the requirements for your professional certificate. As a tenured teacher, you have the right to a hearing before an independent arbitrator regarding any charges brought against you. This due process right protects you from being fired for personal, arbitrary, or political reasons. Uh, ten- tenure, I guess, can be important in, in some aspects, but I think in others, like in these particular cases, I don't know why you don't necessarily have more of a reviewal process. I know in higher education, this is a big deal for tenure uh, in terms of how that works in that regard as well. Because a lot of the times you can have professors and whatnot who have been here for 25, 30 years. And, you know, they're, they're really good, right? They know their craft. They know what they're doing. They're doing extensive research. But then other times they're, you know, they're getting they're getting up there if that's the case. And granted, sometimes the professional quality in which they do use their profession for it does tend to decline over time. And I think the aspect is how much do you really get out of that as a student in effectiveness? And I think, like you, Kevin, like you said, a lot of these instances, they're going to go right into the classroom, right? They're already going to affect students' well-being, uh, their own uh, safety and security and whatnot. And so Sometimes tenure seems to be like that security blanket every now and again where it's like, you know, ha ha, you can't catch me. I'm the tenured professor or the tenured teacher or whatnot. So a lot of that you can't really utilize. Although 
certain instances I think are important. Like I think if it's for any, you know, personal again or like political persecution based on beliefs, I don't know if that's necessarily something to, you know, go and, you know, fire someone over for if that's the case. Uh, but granted, uh, it's definitely something that, you know, should get re-examined, I would think, if you do want to have more of an interval system. I know we talked about that in my higher ed class we have, but more of a five-year period every year, at least higher ed, I think it's about five or six years. Uh, but every five to six years, just doing a review process again, mm-hmm. you know, focusing on that rather than just, here's your automatic lock. You will not have to be reviewed anymore. Uh, maybe once a year, you might have like a professor come in to go and evaluate you. But other than that, you're, you're pretty much free to do as you wish, uh, if that's the case. Uh, but granted, I, I don't know how we think on tenure, what that aspect is, so I'm just curious how you all perceive that. I feel like tenure is, it should be, mul- you get reviewed multiple times, just to like ensure that you're keeping up with the quality of your work. I think like it shouldn't be a gateway to you no longer having to be, I don't want to say criticized, criticized feels like the wrong word, it feels like a gateway for you to no longer have to be questioned or called upon to just talk about what you're doing. I think for a lot of professions, you should have multiple reviews. Maybe it's every five years, every two years, whatever timeline they want to work on. But just to ensure that you're keeping up with the quality of work once we, from before we tenured you to even long after. That's my. Thoughts. I like tenure because, as a principal, I like it because, not like as a principal in a school, but mm-hmm. as the actual foundation <laughs> of it, just if there good, was any possible confusion. Um, so I, I like it because of the amount of layoffs that schools do have to make often, and they're going to go right at the veteran highest paid teachers if they have to make those layoffs, which is unfair to the person who's worked 12, 15 years, has three kids, mm-hmm. and needs the money to be laid off and for the potential to be laid off. I like the job security aspect of it, but I think there need to be clauses in it as well. Certain misconduct has to be... You have to be able to hold teachers accountable for Mm -hmm. certain mistakes, missteps, misconduct that they make because somebody who is overstepping their boundaries with students should not have protection Mm -hmm. against being let go, being fired. There's so many different ways that that could be a problem or could not be a problem when you have – if you do that with tenure, but there has to be a more – accountable way to do tenure than just once you hit this point in teaching at this district you are safe unless you murder somebody like that's that feels like the point where it gets to sometimes even though it's that's a drastic example i like tenure though overall because Mm -hmm. the, the layoff aspect of it is not fair to the teachers who have families who to any teachers really but who have families and who can't be who have been teaching and giving their time and dedication to a certain district. And, and again, I think there's important aspects that tenure to keep in mind. Obviously, academic freedom purposes, if you want to teach how you wish and not being faced by persecution for, again, any like political or personal reasons through that, I think that's a benefit through tenure. But I think the way that it was you know, initiated could have been handled a bit differently in terms of how that gets evaluated. Because it's like Dallas said, you know, if you go for an employment evaluation, but it only happens every four to five years, what's to say that those learning aspects are really going to change over that time, right? You might still be thinking that, you know, what you did in 2019 is the same thing you should be doing in 2023, which in every aspect, there's always something different with a new generation, a new year. And so it's important to understand the new uh, qualities you might have through a professional development lens or something like that, that you can utilize in your own work. So 
Granted, I think just having, you know, any evaluation is great because, heck, we get evaluated every year for stuff, right? Whether in your job or whatnot, how you do performances. So even just having that, in a sense, could just be a good aspect to have, too. Any, any Anything else to add for this at all? Um, taking it away from kind of these drastic examples of, like, misconduct and a, a alleged allegations of abuse, I also think it's important to keep up the academic integrity of teachers because at my high school, I remember there was a teacher who, for a four-year span, every student in her class did not get a grade above a C+. Mm. And maybe it could have been the curriculum itself, the course it was, or just the way she was teaching it, but... I feel like if you have a track record of students not academically succeeding in your class for an extended period of time, for at least the four years I was there, that should be calls for review. That should be calls for them reviewing how you're teaching the material, what material you're actually teaching, just to ensure that like you're doing your job right by the students because it shouldn't be everybody. And I mean, like I was in one of her classes and the per- person who finished the class with the highest grade was like a B minus. And, like, the average was, like, a C. So that was a, a struggle and a hard period of time to go through, especially for the class it was. It was a math class. Um, and my mom just texted me saying, oh, are you talking about this person? And, yes, mom, I am. Um, so it was just, like, something that the school district just let go on for too long, and I believe she's still teaching there. Um, but just, like, even just for academic purposes, just making sure that teachers are doing right by the students academically. Well, we, I know we'll, we are talking more on like the high school aspect, but in, for going from high school to college, I know, Kevin, we had an instance over there through the NCAA tournament the other day uh, for March Madness on the women's side. So yeah. feel free to go ahead. Just curious what your guys' thoughts were on this situation. So for those who don't know about it, LSU women's basketball won the national championship on Sunday. Their star player, Angel Reese, a sophomore, received a ton of criticism following their win. She taunted an opponent, uh, Iowa's Caitlin Clark, who was highly regarded as the best player in college basketball, and that was in the closing minutes of LSU's win. Her taunt got personalities talking all day yesterday, and after the game, there was that uh, Twitter meltdown with a ton of different personalities, big shots on Twitter, calling out Angel Reese. The question of race was brought into whether or not she was fairly criticized, and do that. this is due to the fact that Caitlin Clark, who is a white athlete, did the same taunting motion uh, the week before. So I was just curious to see how we all feel about the criticism given and whether or not it is justified. So I want to get your guys' thoughts there. I have a lot of strong thoughts and feelings about this because I do feel like Angel Reese is facing so much unnecessary criticism for essentially doing the same thing that Caitlin Clark did, which people either applauded her for or completely ignored the fact that she did it. And it's also like, how? why are we policing people's emotions when they win a national championship? She didn't hurt anyone physically. And if it's more so like, oh, I hate when people throw around the terms like unsportsmanlike or like classless because it feels like People have the right to showcase their emotions in the heat of one of the stars, like star-studded points of their college basketball career. It's unfair. And I also saw people talking about how Angel Reese pointed to her ring finger, indicating, like, I can't wait for my championship ring. And people were ripping her apart on that. And then I saw somebody else tweet that Joe Burrow did the same thing when LSU won for football. And nobody had that same energy. So I do think it's really unfair. Maybe it's rooted in misogyny, i.e. her being a woman. Maybe it's rooted in her being like anti-black rhetoric because 
Angel Reese also said that people would always call her, like, quote-unquote, ghetto, which is a word that loaded meaning, especially when it comes from certain people. But why are black women supposed to win with grace or whatever in comparison to their white or male counterparts? That's something that I have problems with. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say I didn't I didn't see this myself, but I, I think as you both described, if you're going to do the same exact gesture, I feel like there really shouldn't be any instance of that. I mean, to me, it's it's more like a trash talk kind of aspect, right? You know, you're really in it for the fun and you really have to try and get into people's skin a lot of the time. So I think that's something that, you know, is really incorporated a lot in sports as well. But I think, you know, especially Dallas, as you mentioned, like the male dominated sports worlds, like you think of John McEnroe and stuff, right? He can smash his racket down. He can do all that. But the minute Serena Williams criticizes an umpire, it's like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. why did you do that? What's the instance there? And then you get all these tropes and stereotypes that are based off of that effect as well uh but i'll just go off of what uh angel reese said this is quoting her from uh the inter- the interview that she had this is from yahoo sports here uh from her press conference she said all year i was critiqued about who i was the narrative i don't fit the narrative i don't fit into the box that y'all want me to be in i'm too good i'm too ghetto y'all told me that all year but when other people do it y'all don't say nothing so this is for the girls that look like me that's going to speak on for what they believe in. It's unapologetically you, and that's what I did for tonight. This was bigger than me tonight. Twitter is going to go on a rage every time, and I'm happy. I feel like I've helped grow women's basketball this year. So I, I'm curious what you all think on that for comment-wise. I love that comment, especially the last part of it, because it is it was great to see women's basketball get incredible ratings the last week of the tournament. I was going to mention about 2.5 million viewers, more than any of the ASPN NBA coverage on professional-wise. Yeah, Which, you know, really uh, loved to see that as a sports fan. Also, I would agree with your points on the the criticism that she's gotten. Full disclosure, her following Caitlin Clark around the court made me cringe a little bit. But aside from cringing, she didn't actually do anything wrong. Trash talk's totally a part of the game. She even said herself she was raised in Baltimore where they play outside, they play pickup basketball, and they trash talk. And that's not just a Baltimore thing. That's an everywhere you play basketball thing, mm-hmm. which I get why she said Baltimore. She, but I hate how 40, 50, 60-year-old people go on. What were you doing when you were 20? Exactly. Angel Reese is 20 years old. She's a old. sophomore in college. You're calling her classless, cursing her out on Twitter. She's a sophomore in college. You were so much better when you were a sophomore in college. How about just get off of your phone <laughs> if you have that terrible of things to say? Like the old saying, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. Mm-hmm. And it couldn't have been more true Sunday night because this a tw- and she handled it great. 20-year-old girl who just accomplished something None of the people criticizing her will ever accomplish in their life. Mm-hmm. And this was the the response. It was so just from like a leadership education perspective, it's pathetic to see that this is how people really feel and act behind their phone on Twitter because nobody is meeting Angel Reese in person and saying, nope. wow, you're a classless you-know-what. Like, mm-hmm. nobody's saying that, but you can say it on Twitter because you're not going to have any real-life repercussions 
from her or people that that would do something about it. I, I will say, I honestly want to see more trash talk in, in just in sports in general. You know, it makes it entertaining, it brings it competitive, and you really get that. You know, you get a different edge with it while you're in the sport as well, because then you really get to see uh, how it really all plays out, what the dynamic is, and just kind of seeing that in real time mm-hmm. is definitely something to. And remember, sports are a spectacle, right? You're trying to make it entertaining in any aspect you can, uh, and definitely uh, good to see uh, the LSU Tigers there raising up like, uh, the NCAA trophy. In right? all honesty, as long as people aren't harming people, as long as they aren't using derogatory words towards other people, yep, it's fine. I also grew up playing women's sports in a variety of different fields like soccer, softball, ice hockey. Talk, trash talk is a part of the game from when you're a child. You say mean things about your opponent, and that goes for all sports. So I think Angel Reese getting her get back with Caitlin Clark by mocking her should be perfectly acceptable because, again, Caitlin Clark did the same exact thing and people were applauding her all over Twitter for showing emotion or just, like, bringing... The thing that really made me mad was somebody said Caitlin Clark was bringing credibility back to women's basketball, which just discredits all of the other basketball players in the NCAA right now and in years before. Candace Parker, Sue Can Bird. Like, put nope. some respect on their names, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I think, I think there is a level to it, and I... Oftentimes, I feel like the race argument is not mine to bring up. Mm-hmm. But there's certainly, and Luke, you brought it up perfectly with the Serena Williams argument, there's certainly levels to it of race in this. I'm not saying everyone who criticized her was had race on their mind, but there's a level to Caitlin Clark was the most popular player in the tournament because she's the best player in the country. It doesn't hurt that she's white mm-hmm. for a popularity perspective. And Angel Reese, who actually has a very exciting story as a transfer from Maryland who couldn't get on the court to the best player at LSU and the NCAA Tournament's Player of the Year, that is a great story. But she doesn't get any of the play for it. And if a white guy was trash-talking in the men's side of things, like a J.J. Redick type of guy, he's, he's hated in a way that you're like, okay, I respect this guy but I don't like playing against him type of thing. Mm. Why doesn't Angel Reese get the same? I mean, Dallas, we trash talk here. <laughs> you and we're I. not even on the court. We're not, not, <laughs> we're not yeah. playing each other or anything. We trash talk. I like, think there's always a, always a statement before the show how Dallas is like, Kevin hates me. <laughs> <laughs> when the mics are off. We're always trash talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, I do agree with you that it's something that I'm hyper aware of just being a black woman in predominantly white spaces. And my mom and I have intensive conversations about how black women and specifically in sports and just even in the public spotlight don't get the same level of grace or applause that white counterparts do Mm. like i was talking to one of my friends and we were going through like all of the famous white basketball players from women's basketball and we were like caitlin clark sabrina ionescu who got the spotlight who are amazing players like you cannot take that away from them but got headlines in comparison to other people of color who were doing the same things as them or just didn't get the same platform does race play into it? I'm a firm believer that it often does because, again, like Angel Reese said, they used terms against her that are typically used against black people. You don't really see it used against white people. Um, so it's just unfair. And it's also like stop telling people to win with grace when it's a national championship and it might be the highlight of their life. But you know what? Angel Reese can trash talk all, all she wants because she's got a ring. Caitlin Clark doesn't. So exactly. you know what? And neither that's, do any of us or any of the people on Twitter. Who that's are- right. 
See, all she got to do, put up that ring emoji, and that's it. Exactly. Just, exactly. Yep, and you go, you just say on goodbye for that one. But then, hey, it's all about defending the title next year. So we'll see how it goes Which they that. could go back-to-back. Back because like she said, only a sophomore. She's got exactly. two years left till she can go to the WNBA. So. Yeah. Yeah, pull, pull a Duke legacy, right? Do a UConn, <laughs> yeah. right? You, you win. How, how many did UConn win in a row? I forget for women's basketball. Four? UConn probably they probably won three or four in a row. They won like a hundred and sixty or something straight games, which is an insane record. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. Also, Paige Beckers, another yeah white female basketball player who gets the spotlight. Not even the best player on UConn. Not even the best player on UConn. But But Paige Beckers is very good. She's her. She is really good. I I know Dallas. You you bring a lot of heart for Aaliyah Boston. I know. I love Aaliyah Boston. Um, Aaliyah Boston. (laughs) <laughs> Aaliyah Boston deserves more of the spotlight. Congratulations to her for her amazing career at USC. And she's declared for the WNBA draft, so looking to see her take it on to the next level. And then Dawn Staley, of course, still leading the Gamecocks I down I love there. Dawn Staley. Dawn Staley, see, that's an example of someone who's a great leader mm-hmm. of young people. And mm-hmm. what she did after they lost last week in the Final Four, I can't remember any of the exact quotes from it, but when she was talking to the media, she, she does a really good job, Dawn Staley. Type of person that... She's very successful, and you can also root for and not be upset when she wins multiple times. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, we'll only be rooting from the sidelines for us when the time comes. Well, we are going to take a quick reprieve, uh, and then we're going to go on for a couple more of our stories. I know we still have our Governor DeSantis story there from uh, the Cradle Aviation, and then a little bit after the fact when the time comes. So we'll see you then. Hey, don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Hofstra Morning Wake-Up Call, only on 88.7 FM WRHU. And Billy Joel's turnstiles there for New York State of Mind. As we're turning into the uh, last quarter, I guess we'll say, of what we have for the Morning Wake-Up Call on 88.7 FM WRHU. Uh, So granted, I know Billy was in a New York State of Mind. Who also was in a New York State of Mind is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, So granted, for this aspect, uh, Florida on Long Island is not really what you think of when uh, going to places. Usually people will retire down to Florida. Long Island sometimes, you might get some good weather, but hey, Florida has always got the picturesque beaches. They got the sunny skies. That's why they call it the Sunshine State, of course. Uh, but granted, uh, that's exactly what happened for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis uh, when he came over to the Cradle of Aviation, actually not even a couple blocks away from here, uh, over here at Hofstra, uh, to discuss his Florida blueprint plan, as he calls it. Uh, among the notable speakers during that time before DeSantis had gone on uh, were Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman and former Congressman and one-time Republican nominee for Governor of New York, uh, Lee Zeldin, through there. Uh, DeSantis told the crowd about the differences with Florida and New York uh, in terms of, quote, no income tax, you should try it sometime, end quote. Supporters of DeSantis had said that they were excited to see him in New York due to the fact that most presidential hopefuls, and especially Republicans, do not look to the state for picking up any electoral college votes. But what people had seen was maybe a glimpse into a new outline not drawn by the 45th president of the United States. DeSantis did not mention Trump by name, but was critical of the investigation by New York District Attorney Alvin Bragg that led to the indictment of the former president. This could be the first step for what is seen as a new wave of leadership for the Republican Party, one that runs right through the Sunshine State. So, I heard about this. I don't even know if anybody—I didn't even know this was going on, honestly. And I just found it over on Newsday—not Newsday, News 12 a little bit ago. And it was just interesting to see because, granted, we know he's not in the race, but yet he's making the rounds throughout the country and things like that to kind of get a glimpse, at least, of what a possible presidential run really could look like for DeSantis, if that's the case. But I I don't know if it's a ton of support pickup that he's going to get, but— 
you just never know in the initial stages because again you got to build a large team you really have to get some supportive funds and whatnot through there especially in a crowded primary that it's going to be uh come 2024 and you know earlier than that so i'm just wondering in terms of how this strategy is really going to work especially with anything for demographic wise for the state how he's how's how his approach is really doing in that respect i have no idea what's going on right now with with DeSantis Trump. I'm so fascinated. This is going back to the conversation before. I'm so fascinated to see how this 2024 election shapes out. And I'm not even a politics person. But this is one that I have locked in on because DeSantis fascinates me as a candidate. Not necessarily someone I agree with, Mm -hmm. but as a candidate, fascinating. Because in one of the interviews this morning, too, talked about, with that Mikey did, talked about... um, how Trump made DeSantis, and now they're kind of rivals, same party though. Very, very interesting when these two guys are around each other, and I wonder if DeSantis says anything about the case in the coming weeks, or if he just never touches on it ever. So we, so we did mention a little bit on it in terms of that, more, more so with just the DA Alvin Bragg again, not necessarily on, on Trump's matter of, of the facts through there. Uh, but I know he, he threw a little jab, I think, when it came to hush money. And I think one of his prepared statements that he had uh, that he wrote in through there. But D- Dallas, I'm, I'm curious what, the, what this leads for DeSantis's chances or what, what do you think this uh, particular stop means if that's the case? I think this is a good way for him to lay down the potential for a potential bid to be the Republican uh, candidate because he is going to more conservative hotspots um, just around the country. Uh, kind of just putting his name out there more not that he necessarily needs to because he's now turned into a major public figure especially for republicans as kevin mentioned donald trump essentially made him and now he's kind of found his own footing in a way that we haven't really seen with a lot of other politicians in the same regard because a lot of people regard desantis as an alternative to donald trump in a way where he is a little bit younger um and he's not in that same vein and him and trump have not seen eye to eye on a lot of issues in the past recently but they still as kevin mentioned they're still in the same party so it's going to be an interesting thing to see how they bump heads and if desantis if or when desantis announces his bid for 2024 how that'll potentially split the vote for republicans either republicans who are still holding on to the donald trump era of politics or republicans who are so over it and ready for a new figure or face and um, you know it Sorry, Des. I, I was thinking more of that. You know, I don't know if people are necessarily over that aspect. Sometimes I know when at, at least the Cradle Aviation, there was a lot of you know DeSantis supporters, respected DeSantis supporters, but there were also you know, Trump flags there. So mm-hmm. I mean, I think like Kevin, you said with that dichotomy there, because you know Trump made DeSantis, but then they're kind of fighting with each other. It's kind of like the the heavyweight bout you're really going to find, the kind of the title card fight you might have uh, when the time comes. But then then it's a matter of the other, I guess the the other uh, candidates through the field, right? You have Nikki Haley through there. We just have Aza Hutchinson, as Dallas had mentioned during the dish. Uh, so I don't know how much they're really going to play into the factor of the whole Trump-DeSantis top billing here, if there really is. I mean, we have I know Chris Christie, I think, might still get in the race at some point. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I will say, though, he was one of uh, Trump's biggest critics during the act during 2016. Then he was on his staff, and now he's a critic again. So he's kind of like flip-flopping to what he thinks is better for himself sometimes, but I don't I don't know. I, I'm curious for how that I works think for other candidates. One thing that I'm especially interested in is who's going to be Donald Trump's running mate. Who's going? Who is he going to ask? Be Mike to be? Pence again. But he no, and Mike Pence. That's for sure. He and, he and Mike Pence literally like 
Mike Pence almost that. died. Yeah. Yes. No, he was basically calling for him to get killed. It's like he deserved to get those shouts. It's like, what do you mean? No <laughs> like, one that's deserves that. That's an insane that. thing to say about somebody who you're supposed to work so closely with. So I just don't know who's going to be his vice presidential candidate. It, may it be one of the people who are currently in the race for president? May he potentially draft Ron DeSantis to be his vice president? You don't really know because it's so up in the air and unknown. Like on the These candidates, I'm looking at the candidates. These candidates think <laughs> Kevin for 2024. Kevin's anti. I mean, I don't like, and I, like I said before, don't take my word for it because I'm not a huge politics person. But these candidates are just not. Mm-hmm. They're not getting it done for me. <laughs> Who is Vivek Ramaswamy? I definitely said his name wrong. I I I know he was I I was only reading up a little bit on him, but he's like a, he's like a conservative uh, commentator. But he's he's a big he's a big. He's not a politician person. though. No, yes, he's he's in business a lot, but he's he's been in conservative circles I think for a little while. But it, I don't know too much on him also, at least for that. For the Democratic side, who's running against Joe Biden? Marianne Williamson. Who so beyond, no one. <laughs> beyond Marianne. Uh, that's oh actually right? there was other people. Is I Pete Buttigieg running? No, he's not. Okay. Uh, he's he's support. He's endorsed President Biden, so I'm, I'm going to guess. Yes, he's not I saw that. Either. Making the run. Uh, let me let me look right now. I Let's saw see. some people saying Kamala Harris should run on her own. I neither here nor there on that. I, I don't think she would do well. I don't see that do as a possibility, only because uh, President Biden has uh, insisted that she'll be the running mate, if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. Now, Wiki- I know Wikipedia always changes their like presidential primary uh, aspects because they usually have new articles through here. Uh, they actually added Joe Manchin on the list for oh. a potential um, he hasn't officially run. announced, right? No, 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 no. Okay. But it's it's under. So Wikipedia usually does declared, decision pending, a publicly expressed interest, potential candidates, or decline to be candidates. Uh, so grants are usually listed through there. So right now it is RFK Jr. or Joe Manchin is publicly expressing interest through there as well. Uh, I would certainly think that RFK's position on vaccines in the Democratic Party is going to be something that will, if he does end up running, which I don't think will happen, uh, but if that does occur, it would definitely be a big uh, a big uh, hole in the boat, I guess, in terms of getting to the White House there. Uh, Joe Manchin itself, of course, has really, really been kind of the... One person, probably besides Chris, Kristen Cinema of Arizona, uh, that really tends to be that one swing vote within the Senate. So I think he does wield a lot of power senatorial-wise. Presidential aspirations, I'm not entirely sure, but that's that's just me. Uh, if th- you yeah, go ahead, Kevin, you're good. One thing that helps Ron DeSantis a lot while I'm looking at these candidates is his age. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize he was only 44 years old. I kn- yeah. I knew he wasn't older than 55. But I didn't realize he was only 44. And then you look at Trump, what, 78? Yep. Trump, Biden. 83. Biden just old. <laughs> like, however, whatever number, it's old. Yeah, sorry, he's, he's 80. He's 80. No matter how you slice it, he's just yeah. old. Mansion, old. Mansion is. He's got to be 75. He is. Seven, oh, right on the money, Kevin. That's, 75. There we go. Look Maybe I that. am a politics person. Uh, Marianne Williamson is 70. And then for. Asa Hutchinson. Yeah, he is. He's old. old. I think he's around seventy-two. Uh, let me see. Nikki Haley's fairly. Yeah, Nikki's only. Nikki is only yeah. fifty-one. Age hundred and seventy-two. Vivek Ramaswamy is thirty-seven. Oh wow! So, but, and again, to be president, you got to be thirty-five. So that is right in the gate there. Uh, I feel like more thirty-five-year-olds should just throw their hat in the ring for. Might as well. Didn't Waka Flocka Flame throw his hat in the ring a couple years ago? 
Do you know who who Doku did Afro Man? The guy who's saying the time I the Kanye. Time I, <laughs> remember that? No, well Kanye. <laughs> remember that he ran for president? <laughs> he's also running again, as far as we no. know. No, he? he's he's technically filed with the FEC. I thought. Yeah, I think he was running again. Well, yeah, um, Kanye West announces 2024 presidential bid November. Yeah. I feel like this is a tricky tricky rule to put out there. But off rip, on just on my conscience, I feel like you need to have some political experience to be president. That's a hard rule to put out there. Again, Why Trump didn't convince you? No, that you don't need any. <laughs> no, I wasn't really. I wasn't really swayed by um, that instance in no. time. But I feel like being a being the president. If you saw the pictures of Obama before and after his presidency, that seems like a job that puts you through the ringer. Yeah. Oh yes, you need to have some political experience. I think is best. Um, and just having some knowledge on what it's like to make decisions that affect a mass amount of people. I I misstated before. Afro Man's song was because I got high, not uh, that why I got high. So I'm going <laughs> to want to preface that. But yes, he is running for president. Uh, but remember, there's always third parties. And now I myself, I'm an independent, so I don't I don't really go for either party myself. Uh, but for libertarian candidates, we actually have uh, get ready for this one, everybody. Tiger King is running for oh president. My God. What? I kid you not. He's still he alive. actually he's is. out of prison. <laughs> hey, you know what? You can run president and be in prison. You can. So remember, that's what we so learned today. The statement of candidacy from the FEC. There's no way Tiger King could even vote. So <laughs> jo- Joseph Maldonado. Yes. Is he registered? What state King. was he in? Uh, it's Kansas. Kansas. Oh, Kansas is not Why one of the. Uh, so statement of candidacy 2023. He's also run in 2017 and 2015. Oh, so he's, what? He's politically experienced. The name of the committee is Joseph Maldonado to Free America. Uh, his name on the candidate file was listed as Joseph Allen Maldonado, uh, with in quotations Joe Exotic. Also in quotations, Tiger King. Um, so, no, oh, actually, is is PO Box addressed in Granger, Indiana? For the ones who get it done, I guess. Uh, but <laughs> birth birthplace is uh, Kansas. So, okay, so Kansas people with felony convictions can vote upon completion of sentence. So is, I guess he's out of prison. If he's not, it's gonna be tough. For him. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, the one, the one I'm interested to see. And I think I mentioned this in the show before. But Tulsi Gabbard, I know, is always uh, kind of a wild card every now and again. I was in my American pregnancy class. It was two semesters ago now, and people were really big on Tulsi Gabbard. Like, oh, maybe it was, was it? No, yeah, it was 2021. Yeah. So they were really big on her during the election wise. I know, obviously, she's more of an independent now. Uh, so granted, I don't, I don't know how her uh, is her uh, impact is going to be in the race. But remember, there's always the question. Let's say that Ron DeSantis does win the Republican nomination. Does Donald Trump run third party? Oh, gosh. Because you could yeah. do, you could do for that. For an ego, for an he ego can, reason, maybe. He's one of the few that has the criteria to win a third party election. Hey, Theodore Roosevelt the, couldn't win third party. He only got second place. The only... Yeah, he... The only person I have ever felt like if they really wanted to get serious about running third party was Bloomberg. Yep. If he really wanted to because he has the money to fund his own campaign, mm. Trump also maybe does. I have no <laughs> idea how much money he has. But he has anywhere between like $200,000 and $8 billion. It's, it's so fluctuating. There's just, I have no idea. But on the topic of Kanye, who also has a lot of money. but Who dropped billionaire status, I think, after the, after the Adidas. He pool. did? Okay. Yeah. So- does anyone remember that rally that Kanye did in 2019, probably? With the probably? bulletproof vest. With the bulletproof the, vest. Yeah. And then he started saying Harriet Tubman didn't 
do anything? <laughs> that like all of it was a lie. Yeah, I don't remember exactly. So, but I remember watching. I watched it live. I was like, you know, this is just so. He said Harriet Tubman never freed any slaves. So obviously, we just know that to be God, to be false. Was there no underground and railroad. What, what I'll never the forget the video of there was a couple at the rally. And the guys videotaping it, they have no interest in voting for him ever, but they just went to see what was going on. Mm-hmm. And it's in this, like, dive bar. He's doing this rally. This is the, I think the flag was in the background? Yeah, flags in the background. And then the security detail yep. right behind him? Yeah. And he says, Harry Tubman never freed the slaves. And you just see, which is a terrible thing to say, and you just see the whole room is like, all right, we got to go. <laughs> and they all, everyone just starts leaving. Yeah. What a disaster. Uh, uh, I know that another disaster that is afoot that I think Dallas, like, we'll, oh, we'll just end with this. This is so this crazy. Is, now, I've I've heard of the Kool-Aid Man family guy scene where, you know, the Kool-Aid Man, like, crashes into the wall and he's like, oh, yeah. Like, I, I know you meant it says the Kool-Aid uh, Man challenge. Is that kind of the same thing? Or is it a little bit different? To my understanding, yes. I'm not, I was never familiar with the Kool-Aid Man challenge before this story. So, essentially, in East North uh, Northport police are saying that people are participating in the Kool-Aid Man Challenge and now cops are searching for multiple suspects that they said crashed through a fence uh, as a part of a latest TikTok challenge that has led to damaged fences across the country and resulted in a scores of arrests of mostly teenage boys. Um, they're only identifying the offenders as multiple people, but there's video surveillance footage of incidents released Monday by police showing four suspects crashing through a fence using only their bodies, then fleeing on foot joined by a fifth suspect. So instead of oh yeah, it's oh no. But what like, is the cool, what is this challenge? So people running through fences just with their bodies, like what? the Kool Aid Man well, runs th- through walls. Yeah, I've seen the Family Guy episode. Uh, it's just, but why? But, but like, why? Like this is like the cinnamon challenge stuff. Like it's just so idiotic. Like I'm sorry. There's there's nothing you can do for this. It's gonna damage your safety, get you in trouble for for what? Because you want a couple likes and a little digital heart on your TikTok. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I just don't get it. What's more dangerous, this or the Tide Pod challenge? Tide the Tide Pod, Pod challenge <laughs> because you're poisoning yourself. I mean, this is physically dangerous. Like you'll get a couple scrapes, probably maybe concussion. What serious pods, thing? Ingesting Tide pods. People are no. eating Tide. Which is, <laughs> listen, maybe I was raised differently. Maybe I was raised differently. My parents would never allow. No, not maybe way. you were raised differently. <laughs> you absolutely were raised differently because oh. more, more so, the people who ate Tide were raised differently. Yep. Or they were just not raised. Because there, there was that the cinnamon challenge. The cinnamon challenge was also insane because like. I never did it, but I was like, how bad could it be? And then I saw videos about, like, how awful that actually is for your Wait, body. Wait, what, what was the Black Beatles challenge of Ray Shremmerd with the whole, um, bomb, bomb? And you did, like, the, the, the oh, standing thing? still? Can we go back to the that? The mannequin thing? challenge. Mannequin challenge. Can we go back Thank to the you. mannequin challenge? That, nobody could get That was hurt. safe. That was safe. Yep. Why would you... The ALS ice bucket challenge. For Harlem charity. Shake. Harlem no, shake. no, I don't want. I don't want the Harlem Shake. I'm sorry. By the way, that song came out 10, 11 years ago, right? Oh God. 2012 or 2013. Why do I feel old? Because I played my my Billboard playlist on Spotify that I use for uh, stuff. And so let me let me see when that was again. I feel old, and I'm only 20 years. The 10 year anniversary of songs. Why not? Probably yep, 2012 so actually. Old. It was a year old, but I think it gained the chart in 2013, if I remember correctly. Uh, but yep, the, chart was 2013. So let's I'll, go back to the challenges where you don't hurt yourself, honestly, because I also don't understand the gratification you would get by physically ramming your body through a fence mm-hmm. and how much force you need to gain. And how many times do you hit the fence before you crash through it? I just mm-hmm. don't understand. 
Let's see. 20 most dangerous challenge social media challenges of all time. I'm just going to skip the one. It's going to take a minute. If if you want the uh, to old songs from 10 years ago, this are fun. Uh, the top three Billboard songs back in the day. We Are Young by Fun. Boyfriend debuted at number two this week. Oh, and gosh. guess what? Go- somebody that I used to know was at number three. That is how long ago all those were. That is crazy. I feel so incredibly old. Like, I wake up during the morning and sometimes my bones hurt. Uh, and I'm just like, there's no reason for me to feel like this as a relatively young person in the grand scheme of life. Remember the ice and salt challenge that people were doing? Oh, They're gosh. burning their skin off. No. <laughs> what? You, don't, you didn't know that? No. I remember hearing about that. Oh, yeah. People would put some salt on their skin. And just leave the ice cube on Yeah, there. and just rest an ice cube on it, and it would burn your skin. Why? What did people gain from doing this? A couple likes. Yeah, Bird box burns, challenge? Exactly. Was this a thing? Bird box challenge? Yeah, people yeah. People driving the with their <laughs> with with the blindfolds? blindfolds? Yeah. I remember there was a challenge where people were, like, stepping on The milk, milk crate challenge! Yes. That's what oh, I'm on right now on yes. the list. Gosh. And everyone was falling off the top, breaking could, their legs and stuff. <laughs> all right, I don't, I don't mean to cut it, but I know we do have to get moving a little bit. So, is there any any challenge that you thought was like the the craziest you've ever heard of? The milk crate challenge was just such a spectacle on how high people could go, um, because I saw like them getting up there with the amount of. Also, where were people getting these milk crates from? I've never seen one. <laughs> like I, I don't know where they were getting them from, and they just had like. 50 of them and they were just running mm. so that was one that stuck with me specifically um, I'm, at, I'm at number two on the list i I go with cinnamon challenge that cinnamon was just, challenge oh man. my gosh i i could not believe people doing that it made absolutely no sense why are you going to go and and damage yourself and just inj- and then you're just spitting it out automatically <laughs> like you cannot swallow all that much cinnamon for me it's it. the tide tide challenge tide is people crazy. are putting tide detergent on chicken and stuff <laughs> and eating it yeah well what do you think about the flaming hot cheeto stuff you're putting like the cakes on it and everything like that like is that any good i think that's just gross it's i think it's disgusting. i think it's just gross i think it's doing too much and you're wasting food i'll never find out if it's any good to tell you luke so yeah well you know what we're, we're never doing too much on the morning show here so definitely it's been a good two hours hope you enjoyed us for the ride of of tide pods and cinnamon please i want to note uh, this does not reflect the opinions of the university please do not go and do anything damaging to yourselves as the mythbusters say do not try those at home Uh, Nevertheless, though, we will go and leave you for today. Please have a great rest of your week. Again, Emma's coming out with all charts, so get ready for that. Again, morning show always happening Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 here, only on WRHU, Radio Hosh University. And we will see you all next week. Have a good one.